this how and why is, I shouldn't say it's a how, it's a why, is that I want to demonstrate to people out there, both children and adults, you can be creative, you can shine as who you're supposed to be. And that also goes into my marketing, that goes into how I market, how I showcase those things. Hello, welcome to Monetizing Mompreneurs Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, moms, working professionals, and amazing people pursuing their passions and going for their dreams. And I'm your host, Linda Mendable. Christina is an artist, creator, and author who ignites the imagination of children and their parents through her limited edition animals touching storybooks and just the way that she does her creative awesomeness. Her humble beginnings in a small farm town, there was like only one traffic light, sparked her creativity at a young age and her adopted home of New York City keeps her inspired daily. Curiously curated creations of Christina features a magical array of warm, cuddly and comforting creatures along with storybooks to help parents and kids improve their communication and deepen their relationships. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having <laughs> me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I feel like you're right in the right place. We have an amazing audience of mompreneurs and just an amazing Facebook group. So thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit about how you started. Yes, so it is true. The town I grew up in in Massachusetts still only has one real traffic light. So I grew up in a very different setting than I live in right now. And in addition to being a city girl at heart, I was also always a creative at heart. I, I realized as yourself as a mom and other women are listening to our moms, like I started formal art training when I was as young as seven years old. My art teacher took me under her wing. Um, normally she didn't take kids until they were at least nine but she saw my potential and took me on. And although I was exposed to that training and I was always a dancer as well, and I still am an active competitive Latin dancer, my both my immediate family and my extended family, everyone's either an engineer, a lawyer, or a teacher, or if they have some creativity, they molded it into teaching. And so I was always this black sheep. And I struggled with that for a very long time. And I developed this story, unfortunately, where I couldn't see how am I going to make a living off of my creativity. I was raised in a way where I was told, if you want something, you need to work for it. Um, you need to make it happen. I told my parents at 10 years old, I was going to live in New York City. And they thought I was joking. And at 18, I flew the coop and went to school out here. And I said, I'm staying. At 22, I literally moved from my dorm room on Long Island into Astoria, Queens. And now I live in Jackson Heights. And my parents said, well, figure it out. And I did. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I look at 22-year-olds now and I'm like, how did I do that? And also, like, I see how they're cushioned. Like, I had a Walmart futon. <laughs> And like I, my, my mattress was $80. That's all my parents bought for me was my mattress and my bed. I think it, told, it was a total of $300 total. And I had my dorm sheets and my dorm blankets that I got when I was 18, when I first moved into the dorm and everything in my home, I figured out a way to make it happen. I've always been an overachiever. And that's something with my healing work that I've learned not to be embarrassed about, but to accept. Amen. Yes. 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 Yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of like your creative outlet, right? Hey, exactly. that's part of you, right? To just embrace that, right? Absolutely. And now, and that, because I was living this double life for so long, I was working in corporate during the day because I needed to pay my bills. I needed to make a living. And I was dancing in the evening. And it wasn't until my injury in 2018, that I had a moment to pause. And when I had my injury, and this just solidified that I'm a dancer, I, um, when I cried my tears on the examination table, I was crying because I was missing my coaching with my coach. Um, my coach is a legend in the dance world and I'm grateful to have her as my coach and my friend. And my, one of my girlfriends laughed at me. She's like, of course you would cry about your coaching. You wouldn't be worried about how to pay your bills. 
like, I'll figure it out. I need to dance. And it was actually a friend of mine who actually was one of my friends from Wall Street who had just left the firm to go work with his father's fund in Canada, where he is right now working up there. And he was the one that said, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep living this double life. And I actually was already on a healing path for certain traumas that happened in my childhood. And the thing is, when you work on your traumas and you heal from your traumas, it does crack open the egg because you start seeing your patterns. And that's what happened with me. I saw my pattern and I realized I can't keep doing this. And I, even when I started my pivot, I still denied that I was supposed to be an entrepreneur right away. I still was denying my creativity. And it wasn't until fast forward to 2019, when I got laid off, I'd already been pivoting for a year. I was with my career coach, Matilda for a year, had the networking story of the year. I was walking out of Pilates. This woman happened to be an HR managing director at this beautiful office on Park Avenue. I mean, we all know, like think Diane Keaton and baby boom, like one of those offices, not kidding, true story. And I walked out and I realized I can't do this again. I'm going to be going through the same pattern, like the beautiful office, the promise of the promotion, the good salary, et cetera. And um, I went back to Matilda and we started off the conversation with, okay, how do I say no without burning a bridge? Cause you never know when you run into people, New York is a big city, but also a small city, it's a small world out there. And in that same meeting, I was fumbling and I looked up at her. I said, I think this was supposed to be an entrepreneur. She said, I agree. And that's how I got the push I needed to realize. And it was that moment of fear and excitement where it was excitement of the possibility, but also the fear, because there is no roadmap when you become an entrepreneur. And I realized that's also why I was so scared for so long to acknowledge my creativity. Because again, there's no, there's no end. There's no finish line with art. With, uh, with what you create, you know, it's always evolving. Um, even with my characters, um, I first started off with this, all the characters are still there on my website, but the ones that are prominent have shifted because as you get out there, you start hearing from your audience, what they want and what they're looking for. And it's this balance of being true to your creativity, but also listening to your audience and allowing your own gut reactions and their feedback to guide you to the true value that you can offer both yourself and them. And that's been a really uh, amazing journey. And that's how Bella came to be created. She's the main character of my series. And she actually didn't exist when I first started the series. Um, the boy elephant did, Ezra. I have the illustration of him in back of me. But originally it was supposed to be the bears. It was supposed to be my grandparents. And that's why I'm a Lucia. I'm named after my grandma. So how perfect is this? Like it'll be grandma and grandpa, but then people kept seeing the elephants. And the reason why Bella became the forerunner is Bella is actually me. Um, Bella is my nickname. Originally Bella, the name came from my friend's little girl is Bella. But as I started writing the books and understanding my mission about communication and acknowledging not only the feeling of the child, but also the parent. I saw myself healing from my relationship with my mom. I lost my mom in 2019 and we had some ups and downs in our time together. And the longer she's gone, the more I heal in the sense that I'm able to respect her choices and understand why she did the things she did. And I have a choice to heal. I have a choice to become a better human, choose to be a better human being, choose to strive to be the best version of myself. And I, I realized, no, I, again, like, like I said before, I need to own my creativity. I need to own my nickname. I need to own this is me. And it's so ironic because my friend's two-year-old helped me connect with my inner child. <laughs> and all this little girl did was just laugh and smile. And it's just so, it's one of those magical things where I was like, gosh, I needed a, a toddler to, <laughs> to pull my inner child out and make me realize I, even with all this work, it's still a work in progress. Like I'm still working on this. And that's the beauty of writing and having this opportunity to talk to individuals like yourself is to be able to share and demonstrate it is, it's never going to be perfect, but if we keep chipping away at it, it is going to, it's going to be a beautiful thing. It's going to be a beautiful product.
Amen. I, I love that. And first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss. Oh, you know, when you. we lose our loved one. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so hard that and the emotions that come up in random moments, mm -hmm. right? And oh and that gosh. doesn't go away. That doesn't go away. No, um, it doesn't. Um, there's a lot of things that you said. You said so much. First, let's <laughs> go into you being a Latin dancer. Are you a Latina or you just <laughs> So I am Italian. Um, oh, nice. I, so I am a, I'm a, sorry, I'm a Lucia and it's ironic cause I'm the oldest of three. I'm the only one with the dark hair and the really dark eyes. And my pen name for my books is actually Pisa. That's my mom's maiden name, my grandma's married name. And it makes sense. And I love Italy, like no tomorrow. Like I realized after my trip this year it was my third time. I realized wow. if I don't go there once a year, I'm going to be a mess. I go to Europe at least once a year. I just love Europe as an artist. I feel that. So I am, um, I joke because I have a lot of friends that are Latin and European and I am very feisty and I joke because Italians, like we are, we're feisty. A story I can share with you. So I am my grandma's namesake. And so my grandma was the oldest of two of three she had two younger brothers unfortunately her oldest brother passed away during the influenza pandemic and she was raised in the height of the great depression as well so because of the way things are and I realize there's a lot of I imagine your family as well as other families that are listening have similar experiences as my 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 relatives have as well you know my great grandma had to work in the store with my grandfather so my grandma was the one that was cooking all the time and she didn't want her boys to play sports. So uncle Joe and uncle Bob would hide their sports gear underneath the porch. Now my grandma would, would support them, you know, and do what she needed to do so they could get out and also feed them and whatnot. So fast forward to when they're grown, all grown adults, it was this understanding that they credited some of their success to my grandmother for like taking care of them and supporting them. Now, both were very successful lawyers and uncle Joe was a Supreme court justice. And my grandma was a speed demon. She got more speeding tickets than could be counted. And she would either get pulled over and she was a really sweet lady. And she was a very beautiful woman as well. And she would talk her way out of it. She said, do you know, Sonny, that's my cousin. Or do you know, Joseph Bevilacqua? That's my brother. And that's the Supreme court justice. If she did get a ticket, she would march into Joe, Uncle Joe's office and put the ticket down on the, on the, on the desk. And he would either write it off or he'd pay it. And my mom's cousin Angelica, who is Uncle Joe's oldest daughter, tells me the stories now, even more than my mom would. And she said, yeah, Uncle Joe, my father, Lucy, you're going to kill somebody. What's the matter with you? So, that's my namesake. So I always crack up when like, I'm, when I'm dating or around men in my life that don't get that I'm feisty, like every now and then I encounter, even men that know me for years, they have this, they, they forget that I'm very feisty. And it's like, are you sure? Are you really sure? Do you really want to push this button? Do you know what I'm from? So I always feel the need to share my background because sometimes I catch myself doing things. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so my grandma's daughter. I so do that too. I mean, I, I've never gone a speeding ticket. I'm a good driver, but like. I sure. Was, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, just kidding. I have no. talked my way out of a ticket or two. I actually. I, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, officer. I really am. Like, um, but no, I totally talked my way out of it. Um, but but I do see myself doing things, and I see how my mom was too. And I'm like, oh my god, I am so my mother and grandmother's daughter. It's so scary. Out of the three of us, out of the three siblings, and even my two cousins, um, from that like pod. Um, underneath that that line of the family tree I do see sometimes I do things and even um, the cousins like Uncle Joe's kids say to me you remind us so much of your mom because they all grew up so close together and it's kind of eerie sometimes and it's funny but again it's one of those things where I embrace it and that's why again with the choice in the pen name Oh, and also the healing from my mom, healing with our ups and downs that we had through my childhood and adulthood. I felt really strongly about using her name as a pen name. So that way it's me, grandma, and then mom on every book, even though I am baptized Lucia, but it is in honor of my grandma. And the funny thing too, is I know if my mom could talk to me right now, she'd say, 
you are putting your middle name on it, right? You know, your grandma needs to go first, right? Like you, your grandma needs to go um, before me, you know, she's going to have a cow I'm like, ma, I got it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, give honor where honor is due. So you're honoring, yeah. you know, your legacy and you know, where you came from and your roots. And that's, yeah. that's amazing. And, and that also brings about really positive energy. Yes. And yes. it makes your products and, and, and what you offer very tangible items because there's yeah. positive energy behind them it's not just well I just put this together I just slapped it together no there's meaning behind it right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so and that's, and that's also why I started crocheting before I started knitting because my great-grandma was a crocheter and in Italian culture crochet is very big and lace making is really big and my mom was a so great-grandma was a crocheter grandma was a knitter mom's a sewer and I know how to do all three I'm, a, I'm much more proficient in um, knitting and crochet. Like I don't have a sewing machine right now, but I do have like the basics of sewing. So there is something too about that legacy that again, what you were saying, embracing it. Cause when I've been in Sicily, when I've been in Italy, you see all this lace. And I've been to areas of Tuscany where you see these ladies and the, the, the doors making lace and whatnot. And as an aunt, as a godmother, I want to be able to expose that. And I actually do that when I'm around my nephew, I actually knit and crochet around him so he can see that. <laughs> so basically what you're telling us is that your life is pretty much like eat, pray, love, right? You go to Tuscany, yeah. you got pretty much, your life is a movie, <laughs> you, you know, you name dropping some, some really cool places, right? Um, one of the things that I do love about what my mom and dad did, did was we would go um, to Dominican Republic and that's where my mom and dad are from. So I'm first generation yes. and I was born in New York, Holla, New oh. York. <laughs> but I moved, I moved down to Miami. Uh, we moved as a family, we moved down to Miami. I love Miami. Oh my gosh. If, I, if there was one, I would prefer Miami. <laughs> the food is ridiculous. But I know the food in New York is bananas. <laughs> so there's different it's aspects. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. I think it's so important for us to visit other countries. Just being in America, seeing how other people live and how other yeah. countries are. Going to the Dominican Republic really allowed me to kind of like understand just the blessings that we have here. Yeah. Over there, they did have siestas where they shut down in the middle of the day, which I love. We should bring that over here to America. But... <laughs> I but agree. I really enjoy just seeing the culture, the food, the people. And I remember I was just a kid, like 15, and I would walk outside from my grandma's house and go outside and, and walk the streets. And there's there no fear of nothing in my mom's like small town called Mao. And I just remember that I was playing one day and I was really, really thirsty. And there was this woman that lived in a house that was made out of wood the floors were made out of dirt there's no wood floors there's no concrete floors and I remember I was being so thirsty and I was far away from my grandma's house and but they were like all family it's a really small town ridiculous everybody knows each other everybody knows what it, everybody does they don't even watch tv they watch everybody else's lives and <laughs> for real and um, like, you think nobody's watching you. Everybody knows exactly what you're doing at exact moment with who and every, I mean, I'm like, what, where are these, how do these people know everything? But they do. So you got to be really careful what you do because everything is known. No matter if you think like it's night or whatever, everything is absolutely known. Anyways, I remember I was just thirsty and this woman had pretty much dirt, no, dirt floor, home, no, I'm thirsty. Do you have any water? Because I was a kid, I was really thirsty. And she comes out with a silver cup, cold, like cold, cold water. How in the world did she come up with this? And it was just a refreshing cup. And these people were so giving. Like they lived in these places that you, you know they don't really have much. They have they have the bare necessities, but they would give you the shirt off their backs. And they'll give you the best of what they had. And it really just put into perspective of, man, you really have to be grateful for what you do have in your life. And I'm just so thankful for that experience. And that's one of the things I want to do for my kids is, you know, also send them 
to DR so they can and go with them, of course, travel with them to DR just so they can see poverty, a different yeah. aspect of poverty yeah. as opposed to poverty here. It's just yeah. two different, it's very different because uh, their clothing is different. Um, mm-hmm. Just It's just a different world. Uh, and they're and the same street, there's also another house that's made out of concrete. Because over there, they had more like buildings made out of concrete. I, I'm sure in yeah. Italy too, right? Yes, yes. yeah. It's just in yeah. warm places. I don't know why they, yeah. think they build it like that. I think for Italy, because I've read books of people that live in, um, like especially Tuscany work when it gets really hot, because I was there in August and I actually really like the hot weather. I really love the weather. And what, my understanding of it is because they don't have air conditioning. And so the concrete allows it to be cool inside, like the way the heat penetrates. And so that was my understanding of it. It was their cooling system without actual electricity. That was like my basic oh, that's understanding nice. of it. That's good to know yeah. because I've, I've yeah. always wondered why yeah. is it concrete, right? Yeah. And why do we have wood houses? Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why too, I've been, I, I think that's also why it's thick, why it's like thick concrete. So that way it's kind of like a, it doesn't, pen- the heat doesn't penetrate quickly. It gives it mm. space. You know, I'm not sure how, I'm not a scientist or an engineer. That's my father's realm. <laughs> but that's my basic understanding is that it's a, a temperature. Um, I was going to lifeline. You need to call your dad and say, hey, yeah, how is your right? concrete mountain? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, right. One of the things that I love <laughs> that you were talking about in your journey is that your journey was filled with healing. Can you go yes. a little bit in, into yes. that? Why do you feel that it was a healing journey for you? Yeah. So for me, I love my mom very much. And unfortunately, like so many men and women out there, traumas have been passed on generation to generation. And my mom was passing those traumas on to me. So as a result, I actually grew up in a dysfunctional family. And I was being abused rather systematically. My mom, unfortunately, suffered from anxiety and narcissism, among other things. And that was a source of abuse. And she survived on control. She was okay when she was in control of the situation. And I am the free spirit. I am the creative. I'm the one that I'm disciplined, but I don't do well in control situations. And so I was a trigger point. And as a result, I got bullied from those triggers, not knowing it. And we didn't have strong communication. My mom, unfortunately, was not doing the work I'm doing. So feelings were not something that was easily communicated and When I realized this pattern and I made a choice, I can't keep living like this. I need to rise above it. And the fact that I am a dancer made it like, there were things like me discovering my dancing, me becoming a head of Latin dancer, me doing these things that she always wanted to do. She always wanted to travel the way I travel. And it drove her bananas that I traveled. It just like all these things, even as an adult woman, were tricking her and just enhancing our, our dysfunction. And so when I chose to go to therapy, I started learning about feelings and I started learning how to communicate my feelings. And it actually led me to adult children of alcoholics, which is something I'm involved in. And it led me to 12 step work. And my 12 step work has taken the work I did in therapy to a new level because it's allowed me to respect my mom. It's allowed me to respect her choices. It's also made me, and I realize a lot of us have heard this phrase, they're doing the best with what they had. And that was a really triggering phase for me for a long, long time. Cause I was like, well, what if, cause again, when you're the victim and you're being hurt and you're being told you're stupid and you're being told it's not enough, it's not enough. Like people have this dream still that I learned how to cook and bake. So going back to my Italian background, I, by the time I was 12 years old, I was making homemade pizza dough from scratch. And to this day, if you give me my, like, if you give me flour and eggs, like I, and yeast, I can whip you up pizza dough and homemade pasta without batting an eye. I can do it blindfolded. Like it's not, 
it's no bueno. Like that's like our culture, you know, and gravy, of course, which we call it gravy, but tomato sauce, you know, that's. You got to give me the recipe because I'm looking for a oh, good job. Absolutely. <laughs> you got it. I'm making a note right now. Absolutely. I, I like baking. I, I make yeah. this amazing bread. <gasps> it's an artisan bread that is done in just yes. like a few hours, like two hours. You get this instead of amazing. doing the overnight thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so help yeah. me with that blog post. <laughs> I will. I will. You got it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But it was always this. Uh, it's not enough. It's not enough. Like, how can you not know how to do this now? Fix it. Um, kind of a thing. And my healing work has made me realize she wasn't getting up every day trying to be mean to me. She was trying to prevent me from having the things she had, but because she never worked through these traumas, they were repeating, repeating, repeating. And so I made that choice. And that's what led me to the characters. I was going through healing, which is when I started crocheting. And then the day I started my business is actually the day she passed. The night I found out she was ill, I went on my computer and filed for my LLC. And I swear it was my grandma. I swear it was my grandma that gave me that urge to do that. And then the day she passed, I was here in New York and I opened my mailbox and I found a piece of mail addressed to my company saying my LLC is approved. And I knew that was my grandma and my mom telling me, we need you to do this. And I knew the characters would lead me to answers and the characters led me to blogging. And then the characters, and then the blogging led me to realize I was to write these books and going back to my own healing, I realized how different my relationship would have been with my mom. If we knew how to communicate to each other. That's why I feel this is so important. And as I write these books, I realize I can focus on the positives. I can focus on the woman. Um, so mom would help Santa. She would write it with her left hand. And I realized that was her way of being creative. For, awesome. for the moms out there, put, you know, put your headphones in. Yeah, to not gotcha. hear this part. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> just so the moms Santa. know, I do just just so the moms know, I do have a I do have a phone number to Santa. Santa and I are good friends. But mom would help him out sometimes and write his notes. And I realize now as an adult woman, that was her way of being creative. Like that was her way. So when I write it's an opportunity to focus on that. And it's ironic because I actually created a second blog that I write. And eventually I want to put that into a book format too, where it's diaries of Bella and it's Bella's eyes as a toddler, how she's experiencing something. And then I write the same entry, but through the eyes of a mother and it's my mom. And for example, one of the first entries I wrote for it was Bella's birthday and through Bella's eyes, I tugged on mommy's dress and mommy gave me this look and I got upset. And then my, and then her face softened and she held me and I felt comfortable. I smelled her perfume because my mom always wore Estee Lauder, beautiful perfume. And when I wrote from my mom's point of view, I wrote it from the point of view of how I knew my mom in the sense of she was up all night baking. She's tired. She's trying to talk to my dad's mom and be the good hostess. And then she's overwhelmed. And that's, when I'm writing, I am able to meet my mom halfway and realize I need to respect the fact that she chose to not to do the healing work I did, but at the same time, she really was doing the best with what she had. She really was getting up every day, trying to be the superwoman mom that she was striving to be. And I, I that's always what I'm going for when I write about her is that, yes, I can't erase the things she was dealing with. Yes, I can't erase the traumas, but when I heal from them, I realize, okay, I can do better though. I can choose to heal. I can choose to be a better human being and I can choose to respect her. I can choose to respect her and understand it wasn't a personal attack. It was something bigger than us, unfortunately. And she the irony too is she does send me love signs all the time. When I was in Italy um, this August, I got this craving. I was originally thinking going to Greece because I haven't been to Greece yet. I'm dying to go to Greece. I'm a huge beach bum. Um, but something kept calling Cinque Terre, Cinque Terre. 
And I hadn't been to Florence and everyone kept telling me you're going to love Florence. So I decided to go to Florence and Cinque Terre. And my first night in the Piazza, I noticed, I, I had this epiphany. I was like, oh my gosh, mom kept her promise. Because she always promised me we traveled together from one reason or another, it never worked out. And when I was walking to the Piazza, I was like, oh my gosh, mom's here with me right now. And everything worked out so beautifully and all the anxiety she had, her fear of heights, fear of the ocean. She's free of those now in heaven. And she was with me on those cliffs. And she was with me when I was swimming in the Mediterranean and it was really beautiful. And she, um, another thing she did too, she actually, um, so I love Paris. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. And she always gave me a hard time for loving it so much. And I just learned to ignore it that's what you have to do sometimes when you're handling with someone like I was in my healing process when she was living but I had again I had to respect that it is what it is I just need to focus on my work get out early etc but when I went through her things I was looking for this rosary that I bought for her in Notre Dame and again going back to the Italian Catholics that we are she gave me this look when I gave it to her I was like yes it's blessed yes I had it blessed as a Catholic you're always bless it, bless it, bless it. And um, so I'm looking for it and I couldn't find it. And I went to my sister and I said, you know, I was looking for this rosary, you know, do you know where it is? And she said, can you describe it to me? And I did. And she's like, oh, it's with mom. You know, when we chose what we wanted to dress mom, she and my brother thought it was really beautiful and chose to put it with mom. And I was like, oh my gosh, mom, mom intervened again. She wanted a piece of me with her. And so that's the thing too, about the healing process is when you do open your heart, you see the signs of love. And another, one more thing I could share too, is when we went through her things, my sister actually found it and sent me a picture and said, mine are yours. It was my childhood lovey. She had it folded within her clothes. And so that's the thing too. And I share this because I think it's important to uh, demonstrate and to share with others that yes, there were some hard moments, but there was love there. And I really believe in the healing work. I think it, it has opened my, my heart and my soul to see the love that was there. You know, my mom wasn't good at saying, I love you all the time. Although that was our last words to each other, but she did send signs of love. And as I'm writing these books and I'm creating the coloring drawings that go along with the illustration. This is a tribute. This is my way of adding value. And I realized this is what mom wants me out in the world, smiling and shining and sharing value and being proud of my art and shining this light to other people and having it shown back as well. I, I can see that you are a true artist. Thank you. And yes. <laughs> and I think as artists, because I grew up with art as well and drawing and would led which led me into web design and becoming a designer. And it's my therapy. It's my way that I express myself. And I feel like artists, <clears throat> we can be very emotional people. Um and that's one of the reasons why we express art and draw or paint or crochet or create books and create experiences that tap into these emotional experiences, right? Yes. Because yes. it's it's part of us processing this world, right? Mm-hmm. And processing maybe things that we've gone through and helping others process as well. And I feel like your story is so valuable because I'm sure that many people have gone through similar situations that you have gone through. And the great thing is, is that you have recognized where you want to be from mm-hmm. where you grew up and then where, how you want your life to look like. Yes. And the hard steps that you took to say, you know what, I'm not going to let this or this person that I love deeply affect the way that I want to live and experience life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I respect them and I love them, but there's certain things that you have to have certain boundaries to move forward. And yeah. do what you believe you're called to do and believe that yeah. is part of you. There are certain gifts and talents that God places within us and says, hey, you know, this dream, this desire within you is there for a reason because you are the person that can 
make it true. You are the person that can bring it into reality. Yeah. What do they say? The place, the richest place um, is the graveyard because there's books that have never been written or they're, they're, I forgot how they say it, but you know, the place with the most (laughs) treasures, buried treasure or, or, (laughs) but there's like, we can either die and I'm sorry to be so morbid, but we can either die with our dreams still inside of us or basically everything that we have to offer and give to be out there and just leave in a place that while you left something behind you left the legacy behind and it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be huge and I want people to understand that it doesn't have to be this huge thing or this huge company that you create (laughs) but it's about the people that we touch it's about tapping into love and spreading the love spreading the the acceptance hey you know right where you're at right in the pain that you're in I see you I know what you're going through and you're still loved and so I I was checking out your website and I was checking out just the things that you do and you're very talented crocheter and (laughs) yes yes and I can see the passion within it and the passion that 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 you have with your craft and I want to go um, into a, a little bit into like how you're marketing. So what is oh, your marketing yeah. strategy when it comes to your business? Because you're hands-on creative. I think yes. that's kind of hard. I was a handmaker as well. And um, I did sewing and I did wow. a little bit of knitting. Yeah. I actually would sell these knit, knitted slippers. That thing almost went viral. Everybody like would, like wow. like around Christmas time. Yeah. yeah. Um, that thing would... <laughs> I was like, why do people want to buy these slippers? <laughs> but they did. And it was awesome because they were well-made. But I, I did yeah. mostly knitting. I didn't do crocheting. I wish I learned crocheting. But I did knitting because my grandma was a knitter. Hmm. Um, yeah. God rest her soul. <laughs> I don't know why I, have to, I felt like I had to say that. But, yeah, cool. but my grandma was a knitter. And I... I love my grandma and I lived with her in Dominican Republic for a little bit when I was younger and I went to school there for a little bit and she yeah. was really near and dear to me. Um, I really, I really connected with her well. So I understand what the connection of, of grandma and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I really enjoy just being in her presence. There's just mm-hmm. some people you just want to be in their presence. And so she was definitely that person to me. And that's what I kind of did a nod to her. Um, you know, honoring her by learning knitting. <laughs> I, yes. I learned to knit just to just because she she was a knitter and she did yeah. these create these amazing creations. Um, I wasn't as good as her, but that was my way of like honoring her memory. Yeah. So absolutely. When it comes to your marketing as a handmaker mm-hmm. and as a creative, right? Yeah. How how are you, because for me, blogging was a big deal. And I can see that you like blogging too. Yeah. So how are you marketing your business? How are you monetizing your business? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing I found is, like we said before, we both acknowledge we're both overachievers. So when you're an overachiever, it's easy to imagine the mountain. And my biggest thing is breaking it down to hills because you need to take it step by step because I am one of those perfect example of how I taught myself how to make French macarons and I stayed up till hours of the night doing it three times in a row because I had to master it. That's how insane I am sometimes. (laughs) And I keep joking. I'm single right now, but I want to be married. I want the kids. I keep joking. I'm going to drive my husband crazy. Thank God I can cook. That's always my joke, but it's the same with my business too. I'm like, I got to get this right now. And It's been, again, with my healing work as well. This also falls into my healing work is taking a step back, talking to my inner child, talking to my critical parent. Be like, no, you need to slow down. You need to break this down. When I discovered that I wanted a mission, I do love blogging. And you hit that right on the nose. I loved blog. And the blogging really helped me monetize what the bigger picture is. I have suffered from imposter syndrome more than one time in my life. And I, even though, cause I knew I was a creative, but I denied it. And then, but I really, really denied that I'm a writer. 
I really was like, no, I don't have a degree in this. How can I say I'm a writer, blah, blah, blah. Like I've never, I've always, I'm decent at grammar, but I'm not a grammar expert. But then when I started blogging, I realized, no, I am a writer. I'm a storyteller. I've always known I'm a storyteller. When I added the element of the books in, everything made sense because it gave a voice to the characters. It gave a purpose to my artwork. It also, because I'm a huge Hitchcock fan, like a ridiculous fan, and I, I just love his work. And so I would say, I pull a Hitchcock where I do storyboard. And that's how I get the templates for my coloring books. So you learn ways to do that. I also learned with children's, especially with children's, you can't fake it. You have to have a mission. Like you have to have a bigger purpose. <laughs> Otherwise it's a toy that's going to go viral and then peter out. Like it has to have a voice behind it, a message behind it. And that was really big. The other thing too, is like where I do hand make, I am a hand crafter. I do, I have already acknowledged and know eventually there is going to be a manufactured version of the toy and then a handmade version of the toy. Cause realistically I can't do everything forever, but the beauty of being able to create them myself, the way I, the reason why I'm so grateful that I can create them is I have room to play. I have room to test colors. I have room to see how kids react, how mom, moms and dads are reacting, how the aunts and uncles and the grandparents are reacting. And, you know, being able to hold Bella in not worrying about, I have this tangible stick figure in the background. Like, no, I can honestly say this is how she looks. That's really big for me. The other piece of it too, I find, and this is also like the why and the how, like, I know that's like a big question I've had to ask myself. It's like, when I think of why I'm doing this, how I want to do it. My biggest how and why is, I was just say it's a how, it's a why, is that I want to demonstrate to people out there, both children and adults, you can be creative, you can shine as who you're supposed to be. And that also goes into my marketing, that goes into how I market, how I showcase those things. I talked to a lot. It's ironic because a lot of my adult friends have kids like me who are so creative, who are knitters, et cetera. And I do, I knit baby sweaters. And the reason why they're not on their website is because I can't sell them for a low cost. Like it's just too timely. It's too expensive. And I do dream of having my knit patterns manufactured because people see the baby sweaters and my girlfriends are like, I want one. I want one. And I'm like, okay, guys, give me some time here. Let me get through everybody. Let me manage my time. Um, the other part of my marketing that I've noticed, I know you asked me about marketing, is surrounding myself with people that understand this area of the business. Um, one of the biggest things with my marketing too is finding people that understand me, that understand my sense of imagination and faith is very strong. And also people that understand like as an author, people that work with solely authors. That was a big thing for me. That was a big deal uh, that recognized that and recognize that it is a passion. There is a mission behind it. That's another big thing with my marketing. My marketing strategist, Melanie, is amazing. I adore her. Um, she's really, I'm seeing so much magic happen um, since I started working with her and I can't brag about her enough. So that was like a huge huge pivot in my journey and she's a mom too and so there yeah. are things that she'll be able to share with me be like I get this and just having that that feedback is very um very important very crucial one of the things that I noticed and I want our audience to understand also is that we can't do this alone bringing on people that um that are experts in certain niches that maybe that you're not an expert in or something like that is yeah crucial to your growth and sometimes there's moments that we are afraid to invest in ourselves in that way hiring a coach or hiring um, a strategist or hiring someone that can possibly take your business to the next level and show mm -hmm. you different a different perspective that maybe you aren't even seeing yes. the greatest athletes 
all professionals, they hire someone. If they're going to win the Olympics, they hire a coach. They hire, they hire someone to, to take them to the next level. That's one of the things that I was talking with. My personal trainer, I want to get healthy and I need accountability. So I decided to book a personal trainer to be more accountable for my health, right? Because yeah. I'm usually home. I, I don't go out much. I'm more at home yeah. and sitting down, either in front of the computer or awesome. sitting down playing with my daughter. Um, yeah, usually I do have um, a, a babysitter that helps me. And today I wasn't able to get a babysitter for our meeting. So no. now, right now I am with her and she's with, she's by my side and um, I see and she's having, yeah, she's having a good well, time. What I want to go into is I noticed when I was a handmaker, looking back, one of the things that I think that I could have done in order to continue on was try to find a way to mass produce my items. Yeah. How can yes. we do that? Right, and I right. feel as though it can be in patterns, like selling your patterns. Because mm -hmm. I, I was like, man, I did some really amazing handbags. What I could have done is sold patterns and how-tos on mm -hmm. this creation. Or they can buy it, you know, at my shop if it's already yeah. done for you. And so I think that's another avenue as a handmaker is just to think about, okay, how can I monetize this that takes less time? Yeah. Hand, handmaking things doing handbags they took a long time to create yeah yeah and so it was it's very hard to put a price point on something that you're hand making that takes like hours yeah. to create yeah. so asking that yeah. question like how can I monetize this to get to a level that maybe I can mass produce this or something like that totally, <laughs> totally. I get it. I get it. Yeah. That's why I decided I, I've already, even though I'm not there yet, I will pursue the manufacturing route because I am mm -hmm. an artist. And my, one of my relatives actually brought up the idea of patterns. I'm like, you know, it's not really me. You know, mm -hmm. I do make my own patterns, but I'm more, when people come to me, they want my art. They don't want the pattern of me. And that's why with the books, I'm so excited about the books to come. Because with the books, I see oh, yeah. my illustrations and print. And I see all, like, you think of Lisa Frank. Like, our, mm -hmm. I feel like we're both, we're probably similar. I feel like we're both about the same oh, age. Goddaughter. You should um, have Bella like, in a mermaid, in a mermaid pattern. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, that's actually one of the things, because I'm actually creating a group. And I would, of course, love to have you in this group. I'm for, so the goal is for my, the goal is my first book's coming out in the spring, but I will have the digital copy ready earlier so I'm creating a group of people to read the book and leave reviews and people leave reviews will be entered into a drawing to have their own custom drawing of Bella done by me and so that could be something like maybe Bella rides a roller coaster maybe Bella's a mermaid for a day you know what I mean so yeah that's nice that's yeah. like oh yeah that is something in the works yeah no, oh I know if it, if it had mermaids my daughter would be all over it she loves mermaids oh my gosh yeah she's going through a mermaid phase <laughs> she so wants the cute. necklace. She wants the mermaid necklace. She did make me buy her some, some mermaid outfit. She was like, I want oh. the mermaid legs. She was like, I want yes. mermaid. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cute. I love it. I know. But you know, like, it, it's so interesting when you say this, because like, I'm having flashbacks. My mom, wait, oh, wait, for my mom, she'd always bring up my love for Snoopy. And I still love Snoopy to this day. And I had this one Snoopy outfit my mom said where she couldn't even dry it on the line because if I saw it, I would just scream until she put it back on me. And then for my grandma, and I still love Tweety Bird as well. And my grandma would always tell you stories about my love, Tweety Bird. And so it's just so amazing how, and like even when we were, um, you were talking about going to Dominican Republic as a grown woman, as a, as a young woman, you know, um, all these memories like one of my good friends from one of my jobs I fortunately lost touch with this woman but she was kind of like a grandma to me so she was raised by her grandma in the Caribbean and she would tell me how her grandma would make hot sauce and how people would smell this hot sauce around the corner and this is the beauty of all the cultures is we all have our things so for my grandma it was the gravy on that back right burner and we always put meat in our gravy to savor it and so it's just so beautiful when I hear you share your stories as a as a mom now as a young young girl 
in these settings. I remember Roz's stories and I think of my grandma with her pasta hanging on the broomstick and then my mom's house when she was living would be covered with pasta all over the place. Now I'm doing it and you know, my sister's a mom, so she's doing it too. And it's just so beautiful how we all have similar threads. And that's what I'm going for when I write too, whether I'm blogging or I'm writing a storybook, I'm going for that relatability because at the end of the day, we're all human and we all have these beautiful common threads that we can connect with. And it's really magical when we're able to connect. Amen. As we're closing out this episode, what I like to leave our audience with and what they can take away is that storytelling is so powerful. You know, when we bring that into our business, when we bring that into our craft, when we bring that into what we're great at, um, I feel like that's what brings about connection, our storytelling. And I'm sure that, you know, that's why, you know, um, an episode like this is so powerful because, you know, you can touch so many different people with your story and then that's what leads to I guess follow quote unquote followers or raving fans or people actually like supporting what you're doing because of the stories that you're sharing that may be helping them get gain clarity or helping them say me too or helping them say oh I'm not alone in this she she has gone through something like this as well you know um so yeah (laughs) so Oh, Christina, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, thank you so much. You can find me on my website, www.triplecokl.com. I always have a pop-up. Also, I have a gift for your audience, the pumpkin activity kit, and you can get my email list that way. Like I would love to have everyone on my email. I always have freebies for my audience, but throughout the year, I always have coloring drawings and fun things. I'm, I'm super excited to share more about the books through my newsletter. And of course, keep people updated as those are available because that's going to be a really exciting step in my journey. Thank you, Christina and Bella for coming on to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have a chance, stop by the website at lindabendable.com. Sign up for the Blog Cure, which is an awesome, awesome course that I created that will help you set up your blog or take your blog to the next level. And join us over at Monetizing Mompreneurs Facebook group. I just want to say again, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.